everyone, welcome to another episode of the Man City Voice podcast. This is episode nine. Um, I'm Pia, I'm your host. And yeah, if you're kind of new to this, if you're new to the Man City Voice podcast, essentially this is just chat and talk and reviews and news and all sorts of um, bits and bobs and whatever um, to do with uh, to do with Man City. So if you're a Man City fan, um, like I am, um, then yeah, then join, share with your friends, share the spread the word, uh, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, you may be thinking um, anybody that is kind of new to this or maybe listening to it for the first time is like, why? I know it's kind of a fairly um, new phenomenon, but why is this guy? with a kind of a southern accent or a west country accent which is kind of slightly not as strong as maybe some west country accents but um why is he why is he support man city what what the what the hell is he doing um doing a podcast about man city these kind of you know plastic fans that kind of join since 2008 but yes you'll be delighted to to know that obviously that is not me um i've basically supported city ever since you know, kind of some people talk about this kind of moment where maybe their dad kind of takes them to like a shop or something and they choose like a shirt or some something random like that they kind of get to choose with me there was no choice my dad um he's from manchester his dad from manchester um both city fans um and i was born in um berry in greater manchester uh, moved down to kind of swindon where i've lived most of my life um so when I was about four or five, um, so hence no Manchester accent, but um, I get up to matches when I can, um, have been a season ticket holder, etc, etc. Um, been to loads of matches with my dad over the years, um, particularly when we was growing up to away matches, when it's kind of like Oxford, Reading, QPR, Fulham, etc, etc, etc. So yeah, um, yeah, just a massive City fan, have been all my life, went to the 99 um, uh, playoff final, um, actually kind of a weird, kind of a weird story about that. Um, so we, we live in Swindon, um, Kevin Horlock, who, for those that are a bit kind of, um, longer, longer in the tooth and are familiar with the kind of the 99 team will know that Kevin Horlock was an integral part of that team. One of the best, most standout players, one of the most talented players in that side. So much so that obviously when we got kind of back to back promotions, um, we ended up in the Premier League. He was still there, still kind of a main part of the team and just a really, really good player. One of my favorite players. A kind of a goal-scoring left-footed midfielder had zero pace whatsoever, but a nice little touch and a really, really good left foot. Um, and obviously scored the first, um, the first goal that kind of got us back. Obviously was two 0 down against Gillingham. Um, as it turned out, it was Tony Pulis's Gillingham back then in 1999, um, and he got the first goal. And everyone remembers that goal. Um, is it was just such a nice crisp finish, kind of like just at the edge of the area, kind of just fell to him nicely um, from a from a tackle. The the goal opened up a, a bit, and he had to slide between a couple of defenders because the goalkeeper had come out, um, and he and he managed to do so. And that kind of summed Hallock up. And for many, it's kind of like that's like the Je- the Jeko goal in 2012 for the Aguero. Does that make sense? You know, that's kind of that moment. It's like it's almost just as important and not obviously people kind of remember it as much as like the Dickoff goal or the Aguero goal but it's still just important and for me um Horlock because he used to, he came from Swindon and um and because of this story about kind of getting the ticket so basically he's from I think he's not from Swindon he's obviously from Northern Ireland but he came here um and has fre- basically family that lives in Swindon and strangely enough one of my sister's friends is his cousin and then he so we managed to ask through her 
um, to Kevin to get some tickets to see if any of the any of the, the players actually would um, had any like spare tickets or whatever. And strangely enough, Gerard Vikins, um, the former Manchester City uh, defender slash midfielder, quite a versatile guy. Um, his family, for some reason, they couldn't make it from from Holland. So um, we got. Uh, a few tickets so we already had a few tickets we got kind of extra so um most of the family could go to the the playoff final um oh yeah we ended up sitting through the whole match next to gerard vikin's family it was like his mum and dad we kind of had a really like good old good old chat um at the old wembley um with with them uh pretty much throughout before and throughout the match so uh, yeah it's a really really cool experience so thank you to kev for that so that kind of just explains um, a little bit of kind of who I am, background, that kind of thing, and you know, so supporting City and stuff, and a, a little, little bit of a fun story about how I ended up watching going to the playoff final um, when I was how old would I've been? I've been sixteen, I think, fifteen, sixteen. Um, yeah, going to the playoff final with thanks to Kevin Horlock and Gerard Rekin's family. So quite a kind of cool story. I quite as a City fan, quite proud of that story, um, and try. Kind of quite like to thank uh, Kevin Horlock, who is pretty active on Twitter, um, semi-regularly for um, for that memory. So anyway, um, that's it. Obviously, it's been I think it's been a bit it's a while since um, I've recorded anything in terms of um, in terms of this podcast, mainly because I've been on holiday um, with the fam. Um, so still kind of a little you know active on Twitter and that kind of thing, but um, yeah, nothing kind of no real time or anything to record so kind of a lot to get through a lot to um review that kind of thing so um yeah without any further ado just kind of kind of what's coming up or whatever so um we'll have i think the last time that reviewed i think it was either like the champions league match um so what we'll do is we'll review the seems like quite a long time ago now but we'll review the bournemouth and watford matches and kind of what they meant and how city performing that kind of thing we'll then move on to the loss against chelsea and kind of my thoughts on that um obviously the champions league so kind of as i am recording this the champions league game was last night against hoffenheim um some talking points around that um just how good were sane and sterling particularly for me sterling i know sane got the two goals his free kick was amazing um and this the second goal was a bit bit of a strange one kind of a bit of a bad touch effectively didn't he um and kind of the the keeper fell for the bad touch almost and got round him and was able to poke it in but um yeah sterling yesterday he was in beast mode i mean that that guy, I mean, he's a, he just he get goes next level pretty much every single game I seem to watch him. He's his kind of his take ons. I think he's always been good with take. He always would take on opponents, but now he does it with more with more daring, more confidence. Um, he don't know what he's doing. He's going to go outside. Can he come inside? He kind of his stop is so um, it's so quick, but he 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 doesn't sell it. Um, he's, I mean, he's just, he's, he's immense. Um, I was so impressed with Sterling, and obviously he got um, player of the player of the month for the world. So we will kind of have a little talk about him. Um, obviously the injuries are mounting as well for City, so we'll have a little kind of, a little kind of focus on that and may, what it might mean. Obviously, in re- kind of reflection of the Champions League match and who might kind of step in, um, leading up to the games all across the winter but particularly obviously this week against Everton um then just a little little kind of focus on our rivals obviously mainly Liverpool just how kind of well and consistent they're doing at the moment also the match this weekend um coming up against United um which you know kind of a bit of a I don't know if the, the 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 fixtures do this on purpose obviously we're playing Liverpool's rivals than Everton and they're playing United our rivals I don't yeah it's it tends to work out like that quite a lot um and I presume it's from a kind of like a television perspective, so they can kind of sell it as, you know, 
blue derby, red derby, I don't know, whatever it is. So, but anyway, um, so yeah, let's go back. It's obviously, it feels like a long time ago, but it's only really like a week or so. So, um, yeah, City uh, versus Bournemouth and Watford. We'll do it as a kind of in one, just because um, there is quite a lot to get through anyway. Um, but also, I just think they were, in some respects, quite similar performances and quite similar opponents in the way they kind of approached the game. Um, as much as as much possession as we had both against Bournemouth and Watford, um, I kind of feel that they were always in the match. Um, and obviously, particularly Watford, when they got that kind of late goal, um, it's probably the what the only time um, in in probably like half a season or something, or kind of a, almost a year, um, probably going back to maybe the Liverpool matches, where I've actually thought actually we could be in trouble here we look like we're in trouble um that kind of thing so um yeah just a bit of a weird one kind of a, just a bit of a 10 minute wobble at the end of that match um although strangely enough we seem to kind of have a little bit of wobble between the 80th and 90th minute and then pretty much from 90th, 90th minute onwards it seems to be pretty pretty straightforward we're able to keep, kind of keep the ball and they didn't really um uh they didn't really create anything and i think that's kind of what city have been really really good at just kind of controlling the game effectively I mean we do that pretty much of every opponent but it does seem that it's part of our kind of mantra to not only to not concede chances basically um, and we're just really really good at that so yeah against Bournemouth and Watford pretty straightforward good to see in for me the kind of the wingers doing so well so like Mares, Starling, uh, Starling? <laughs> Sane and Sterling um, I just think I know I've said it before, but I think kind of the the, the immense potential that um, Sane and Sterling have on either flank for us is is just ridiculous. I mean, they're still both so young, like 21, 22, 20, kind of three, I think maybe now Sterling, but um, just so so young, so so talented, so so quick, skillful, um, and just yeah, learning all the time from obviously the master that is Pep. And um, yeah, it's just going to be an exciting journey um, with with those at the house. So hopefully, like I said, the we <clears throat> those two can kind of carry on this form. Um, obviously, um, Sterling last night in, with the with the the Hoffenheim game, like I said, was was absolutely immense. But yeah, obviously move, moving on from kind of the the the, the Bournemouth and the Watford matches. Obviously, that was kind of two wins, and at that point in time, um, we were still top of the league. Um, not the case now. So obviously, yeah, we we. Obviously, the, this weekend just passed. Um, we suffered our first loss of the season to Chelsea, 2-0. Um, and yeah, what was a real strange performance from City, really. So the the first half was, uh, it was okay, it was fine. I think in terms of kind of tactically, the way that we kind of um, kept the ball and uh, kind of unsettled Chelsea in many ways was um, was really was really um positive and quite um and quite impressive really um but we didn't really create anything and i think that's kind of like the main thing and i think one of the one of the main reasons i think why why we lost i think it's probably quite kind of um there's two or three things but one of the main things for me was the fact that we didn't have a main striker and then we generally for the most part try kind of sterling as this kind of like false number nine um and i just don't really think that works for me sterling is a is a winger um, he's a right winger that can potentially play on the left, and of course he can do a you know he's an extremely talented player with a good touch and um, good interplay between um, you know between players. And like, he's a, he's a really good talented player, kind of one of the best players in the world, probably one of the, you know top twenty players in the world. So of course he can kind of do a job wherever he is. But 
for me, he's 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 a wide man because of his pace and the fact that he can kind of come in come inside um, and kind of unsettle defenders and that kind of thing. And he's just not really me doesn't really do that good a job as a as kind of a false number nine or he's another ten. And we saw that in the summer with England, where he he did okay and he did a good job for the team, but he didn't kind of didn't play anywhere near what he did um, for City in the previous season and obviously the, the Centurion season um, and that's just because he just wasn't playing the right position for me and for, you know, interestingly enough obviously once uh, England reverted from um, playing 3 or 5 at the back to now playing kind of a 4-3-3 effectively with Sterling on the right, Rashford on the left, Kane up front um, what do you know um, England's fortunes have changed in, t- uh, in terms of goals and um, Sterling's output and his contribution towards the team so uh, for me, Sterling's a winger, um, and for me, Pep just has to decide game to game who he's going to play and what combinations, whether it is going to be Sane and Sterling, or whether it is going to be Mares and Sterling, or whether it is going to be Mares and Sane, or what, whatever it's going to be. And it, that's just modern football, that's just rotation, um, and we needed that focal point. And for me, Gabriel Jesus is that focal point, and I know obviously Aguero is out injured at the moment. And I know that Gabriel Jesus is not in the best form in terms of goals. But for me, Gabriel Jesus has played well this season. I'm not going to have anybody tell me differently. His, you know, look, the comparison between when he started at City and to now, I think there's a marked difference. I think he's much more of a, a pep type player, contributes to the team um, and in, in just really positive fashion, very skillful. Obviously, he's... He's got, I would say, he's in many respects, better hold-up play um, than Aguero, although Aguero has definitely improved in the last, I would say, 12 months. Um, but, yeah, just kind of bringing other players into the game, how he worked so hard, um, and those kind of little instances. He even had one last night against Hoffenheim where he's kind of dribbling through through defenders. He's, you know, he's got that in his locker, and I think he's only going to get better. He's only young. He's only 21. Um, and I know what people say about him. I know that, obviously, he's... Uh, missed a few chances recently, not in great goal-scoring form. Obviously, there was the hat-trick that he scored. I think it was in the League Cup, wasn't it, um, um, earlier this season? But, yeah, it's, it's been a bit kind of goal-shy this season. But I'm not too concerned with that. Obviously, we've got Aguero scoring goals. We've got David Silva scoring goals. We've got Mara scoring goals. We've got Sané and Sterling. We've got, you know, we've got enough goals in the team. So... For me, he just needs to keep contributing and the goals will come. Um, and it, I think his work and his work off the ball and the way that he um, he works for the team is um, is good enough for me. And I think he just he is he knows how to to work the line, how to hold hold up the ball, and be that kind of central focal point. And against Chelsea, it didn't really work having kind of Sterling there and Mares kind of um, dipped in and out. So um, that I think Pep made an error there. I think that was a mistake. Um, but I also think. It was also the absence of David Silva, both when he was on the pitch and off the pitch. And this is not kind of having a go at David Silva. I would never do that. Um, you know, for me, best player that's ever played for City. But it, for whatever reason, whether it was a kind of a Kante thing and he just kind of like marked, pretty much marked him out of the game because um, he was kind of playing that, he was playing right side of the of, of, of centre midfield with Jorginho in the pocket. So he's playing kind of on David Silva's side but David kind of plays that kind of left-hand side attacking midfield. So... Um, I think he, he did kind of snuff him out a bit and keep him quiet, but obviously he also then had that muscle injury. So I don't know whether it was he had the injury early on or he was a, a pre-existing injury and it just got kind of worse over over the match or or whether it was he just didn't have that great a game. Um, and then he got the injury and obviously then obviously had to go off. And it's just, it it's... 
it's just so acute when someone like David Silva is missing and the link-up play, particularly that he has with Sane, um, and just playing him into those little spaces, if that doesn't work, then that's kind of a, a high proportion of our attacking threat negated. And we didn't have that against Chelsea, particularly um, well, it's throughout the match. We just didn't really create that many clear-cut chances. Like I said, even in the second half with Chelsea... Um, they kind of came out a little bit, kind of t- found some spaces and some weakness and got a little bit more control of the game. But I still think overall City were in control. I think that kind of first maybe 20 minutes of the second half, Chelsea um, played a lot a lot better and got more control of the game. But after that, even when they scored their, their second goal, I thought throughout that kind of second half of the second half, um, it we were we were in control really. But we, again, we just didn't really create, which, um, which is a little bit of a concern. But actually... Not really, let's be honest. You know, we, we create so many chances. I mean, you look at the stats. Um, I haven't got them to hand, but if you do look at the stats, they're kind of online and things you can find them out. The amount of chances that we create in comparison to other teams um, is is more and it's lots more. And we score lots more goals. And that's why even though we're one point behind Liverpool at the moment, our goal difference is that much better. So, yeah, a bit of... Um, Bit of a, obviously a bit of a strange one. I don't mind. Obviously, I've kind of talked previously in uh, kind of in more of a joking fashion, really, about kind of being the invincibles or the Centurion invincibles or whatever. It's, it's that's not really important. Obviously, last season we only lost two matches, and even though those matches were against Liverpool and United, and would never want to lose matches if you know. It, football teams, guess what? They're going to lose matches. You've seen last night, you know, Real Madrid going down to CSK Moscow at home. Something pretty much never heard of, although at the moment Real Madrid going through a bit of a, a wild patch. Um, so, yeah, anyway, you know, City will lose matches, are going to lose matches, but it's just like Pep said, and I love his mentality. Pep's mentality is perfect. It's kind of exactly what how I would like my football teams to play if I was I was a manager. But what you've got to be is you've got to be in the game. And even though we lost 2-0 to Chelsea, it seems like a kind of a bit of a, you know, not, not whooping, but it's, you know, it seems like fairly comfortable for Chelsea. It never was. I mean, you watch that kind of the mo- that first half and even most of the second half, it's, that's not comfortable for Chelsea. Chelsea played out of their skin. I mean, how good did Asper Laqueta play and David Luiz? I mean, David Luiz, I mean, how... <laughs> The game against Spurs, like the week before, he was like a five-year-old defending. I've never seen defending like it in the in the Premier League in one match. I mean, the two or three instances where he's literally avoiding the player and avoiding the ball. That's not defending. That's just being a pansy, effectively. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous how bad the comparison to how bad he was against Spurs and how brilliant he was against City. Um, but I suppose you know, as, as as you know, probably Chelsea fans will say. And probably tell you that's basically David Luiz in a nutshell. He can be any absolutely brilliant, like he was for Brazil in the in the World Cup in 2014, pretty much throughout the group stages and the last 16. And then he gets into the quarters and semi-final, and he is an absolute nightmare. Um, and like I said, that's David Luiz. Probably one of the reasons why they got rid of him in the first place. One of the reasons why um, um, Antonio Conte didn't play him last season. Um, but because he is so good on the ball, and he played some really nice balls. Um, uh, that I think one of them probably led to the goal. I think that out to out to Hazard, and it's just it's just a really good out ball. You can obviously sit here amazing at kind of pre- pressing high, and they showed that against Chelsea, particularly in the second half and towards the end of the second half, how good they can be at pressing the ball and getting the ball back. 
quickly and closing space down so they have nowhere to go and they basically just have to give the ball away. But one thing that you can't really defend is a really accurate, really long raking and quick ball um, that basically is lead, that that cuts out that press and cuts out everything. And it's and it for the most part City had it down and had it nailed. But there was a few instances where David Luiz was managed to get balls. It was mainly over to Hazard. Um, and it was kind of a, a switch ball, switch play to Hazard in those places. And once he's got space to run, then you're in trouble. I mean, he's an absolute world-class player, in my opinion. Um, and uh, and that happened on a, on a few occasions. You could just see kind of the, the impact that it made. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not really too concerned with the Chelsea result. It's just a bit concerning that we never really kind of created anything um but these like i said these things can happen i can't i could if you were chelsea you can't necessarily say they deserved a 2-0 win perhaps where they kind of sorry set them up tactically and how well they actually played against us you could you could argue that you know they they deserve the win um but you know 1-0 2-0 who cares you know it's it's one of those matches i think when we play them tomorrow it'll potentially be a a, a different result maybe the kind of the the score the opposite way so i'm not a major concern but obviously following that result liverpool jumped uh, kind of well they stayed ahead of us they obviously jumped ahead of us um earlier um and yeah it's just for me really interesting how consistent Liverpool have been um I think it's probably going to leave that until maybe the, the end but we'll talk about it now I've mentioned them so yeah just you know kind of fair play to them effectively <laughs> a lot of City fans maybe won't um thank me for saying that but I just think this is a weird kind of rivalry that's building at the moment I suppose that's expected when you know we are clearly the the two best teams um in the country at the moment probably have been for the last kind of year or so um and yeah, it's just uh, kind of weird, you know, Twitter rivalry, whatever um, that's going on between City and Liverpool fans. But if you know, put that to one side. Effectively, just fair play to them, fair play to Klopp. Just the way that he kind of has addressed some of their deficiencies and the way they seem to kind of grind out results. Um, it, you know, in in some respect, and a lot of people mention it, it kind of is the mark of champions. Now, I wouldn't want them to be champions, of course not. Um, but just they're playing not as well as City. Like for me, City is still playing the best football by far in the league. Um, really, really nice to watch. Really easy on the eye. Um, Liverpool haven't quite hit their straps that they have and that they did towards the end of last season. But they are just being consistent. They're grinding like those victories. They're still unbeaten. Um, they're riding their luck a little bit. Obviously, they should have probably drew against um, Everton. Um, obviously, Everton had a few chances themselves to win the match, and obviously. The, the kind of the Pickford era. Um, there's, there's been a few more instances, like, you know, obviously, like the Sturridge last minute equaliser against Chelsea when they possibly um, should have lost. So, just little things like that. Obviously, from their point of view, they would kind of look at that as a kind of a positive thing that they, you know, they should and could maybe go on to kind of win the league if they're, if, if, the, if those sorts of things are going for them. But, um, yeah, I just think, fair, you know, fair play to Liverpool, fair play to Klopp for the way that they, they they're kind of challenging City effectively I think at this point last season we were about kind of um, about 10 8 to 10 points clear um, so uh, and obviously ended up being was it 18 to 19 points clear so it it it's you know it is different this season um, but the one thing I suppose to say is that actually if you look at the fixtures coming up in the over the winter period up until the big match the big one 3rd of January against Liverpool at the Etihad um, where what you know what is the 
what's the kind of permutation going to be? What's the points difference going to be? You know, it is the kind of um, it is is the, the the big six pointer as they say. You know, if if they're one. They're one point ahead. If they win, they go four points ahead. If we, you know, if we're one point, we go four points ahead. If we're three points ahead, we go six. Points. You know, it's it's going to be really interesting. But level on points, what's it going to mean? Is and it, it all it will all kind of build up and it will potentially um, play out how the how the match is going to play out. So, um, or it will mean how the match is going to play out. For level on points, might be a bit, a bit of a cagey affair. But if we're ahead or they're ahead, it will kind of perhaps change the, the the approaches of the of the different managers so um so yeah just uh, as in, like i said fair play to liverpool are doing really well at the moment but i can't see that con- continuing necessarily it'd be amazing if they did um especially they've got a real tough um winter fixture list obviously got united at the weekend i think they've got arsenal coming up as well and they've got us on the 3rd of january so really interesting to see we've kind of played a lot of our kind of i would say more difficult fixtures um, we've got Chelsea. We had Chelsea away. We had uh, United at home. Tottenham away. Arsenal away. Liverpool away. And we've done really well out of those matches. So, um, so yeah. Just uh, like I said, who who knows? Um, interesting to see. But I'd be I would be surprised if Liverpool still had a lead over us going into that match on the third of January. But like I said, it'd be it's kind of all to play for in that match. Um, whoever kind of gets gets the victory, if there is um, a victor. Um, um, during that match then um, it's you know it's kind of an obviously advantage to them moving into the kind of final stage of the season but then obviously um, in February you've got kind of the, the League Cup so maybe somebody might be in the League Cup final and they've got the Champions League starting again and there's the last stage of the FA Cup and I don't know for me I don't think Liverpool have got the, the strength in depth and the squad depth that, that we have but we'll see they obviously like I said fair play to them at the moment doing amazingly well have done for the last kind of like 12 months or so so um, um, yeah let's let's see how that plays out obviously this this um, this week we've got kind of Everton um, who are on a, a kind of a, uh, a bit of a high obviously recently obviously they did lose to Liverpool they only lost uh, Drew against Watford um, at the weekend or Monday I think it was Monday night but um but yeah, so I don't know. But it will be a difficult match. Obviously, this time last season, um, or the the same fixture last season, we played against Everton. Um, that was the one where we we drew. It was one of the earlier matches that we actually drew, um, and that's why I think when Kyle Walker got sent off, it was I think it was like the second match of the season. I'm pretty sure. Um, um, I think Rooney at that point was still up play, playing up front for Everton. How how times change. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, and I suppose a note of that, just anyone that remembers that game last season, the first half was a bit of a weird affair. Obviously, there was the sending off. Everton, I think Rooney actually scored. I think they they, um, they scored. There's 1-0 up. But that second half performance, I think we could have probably seen that how good this City team was actually going to be at that point because I have not seen a team that were playing with 10 men, playing against a team of 11 men that are so dominant. I mean, we were just ridiculous against Everton. It should have been, we should have won that um, second half, 2-3-1. Um, it was just, it was it was great to watch, great to behold. Something that, um, like, looking back on now, you kind of think, well, actually, you kind of can realise then that kind of Pep had something special um, with that group of players. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the, the match against Everton on Saturday. Um, we'll do a kind of see review of it once um, next week. Um, I think there's the League Cup match coming up obviously this week as well and have a little look at that so 
Um, so yeah, obviously, like I said um, earlier, we're recording this um, the day after the Hoffenheim win. Um, was a quite a, kind of a, a fun match to watch, really. Quite really, really enjoyed it. Um, they had a, they had quite a few a few attacks. To be fair, um, quite a few chances. Obviously, Edison has made made that amazing save from Kramerich. Um, and yeah, just I think the, the that Koffenheim's team are pretty decent. It's like kind of Joe Linton or whatever his name was. Um, I presume he's kind of like a Brazilian or whatever. I haven't really looked into him to be fair, but he looked pretty decent. Obviously, he's like really, really big, um, hard to get around, but also pretty kind of skillful on the ball as well. Um, I just think with the changes that were made, um, playing like you know, Stones at right back, Gundwan in that kind of holding position. Phoning coming in for one of his uh, one of the, uh, you know few starts of the season. Um, it, in the end, um, we, you know we got the dub, got the win, and uh, and there's not really much you can say. I suppose in terms of like I said, in terms of positives, the main positive for me was obviously Sane scoring again and playing really well. But for me, man of the match, I think was was Sterling. I think it was frightening. I think it was unbelievable. Just. I, I don't know whether it's just the the kind of the um, the just the way that the game was set up, where it's a bit of a kind of free hit, really. Obviously, in the fact that realistically, you know, only if Leon won and we lost to Hoffenheim, which is probably unlikely. Um, bearing in mind Leon were playing away at Shakhtar, that um, so in many ways, obviously, we was already through. Obviously, you know, finishing second is not the end of the world, but you want to finish top. So. And I know that Pep would have had that, obviously, in his sights. So he pretty much referred to that kind of at the end of end of the match, just how well they've done, obviously, to finish finish top of the group. Um, but just, yeah, Sterling, for me, I think he kind of felt, I just felt like his mentality of the match was actually a bit of a free hit. Let's go out there and I'm just going to enjoy myself. I'm going to take on these players. Um, and he just kept doing it. He kept taking them on and taking them on. And I was just really impressed with it. It was kind of, it was daring wing play. Um, and like I said, he's he's... He's got he's kind of getting that in his, his locker now, where he can go past a player, get a yard, and whip a ball in that's that's decent. And he's pretty accurate with um, with his crossing. He's not kind of the most natural crosser of the ball, but um, he's definitely definitely kind of getting that in his locker. And I, and I feel that he's he's one of he's definitely one of the players of the season by far. Um, obviously, he's just just received November's player of uh, the Premier League Player of the Month award. Um, and for anyone um, pointing out that perhaps this is in some kind of sympathy vote or whatever, bearing in mind what happened um, during this Chelsea match and kind of the fallout after that, which we'll have a little chat about at the end of this um, at the end of this episode. But it wasn't because the the, the votes actually closed before the Chelsea match, so um, it was just a reflection on just how well he's done. I think it was three goals, three assists during that month. Um, and uh, another assist last um, last night, and uh, for me, he was just brilliant. He was he was um, he was exactly what you want from a winger: getting down the, getting down, taking on your your your, your fullback effectively, but continually to take take him on uh, to the to the point where he doesn't know if he's actually if he's going uh, is he going to take me on, but is he going to cut inside? Is he going to stop? Is he going to cross it first time? And I think that's the beauty with Sterling and just amazing players in general but particularly Sterling because he's turned it into one of those amazing players is that you just don't know what he's going to do next sometimes he'll just play it short he'll play a ball down the line he'll kind of play a ball inside he can play kind of a little you know a ghost ball through the gap or he can kind of take you on or he can take you on and then come back or 
It's just, um, you don't know what he's going to do. He's really good at keeping the ball, getting his body between um, man and ball. Um, really, really adept at doing that. And I just think he's just one of the players of the season so far and just playing so, so well. Um, I know a couple of episodes are back, I think, did a bit of review of like the top five and for me it's still David Silva I think David Silva's just been immense this season um I just think he he quietly goes about his business but his impact on the team if you're kind of a real football fan that understands um kind of the tactics of football and how all these things work that he is you know he's the he's the metronome of this team he's 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 obviously beautiful to watch but he's just so impactful um, and for me, he's he's been he's been the best player this season. But behind him, yes, like Fernandinho and Sterling are kind of like on his coattails. Um, just amazing players, and it kind of leads. And like I said, that's pretty much it. I mean, in terms of supposing the the Champions League, um, it basically means that we're either going to play. I think it's Atletico Madrid, Schalke, Ajax, or Roma. Um, I think some boffins have been on to this and bearing in mind all the kind of different permutations. I think the strongest chance that we've got is going to be to draw Atleti. Um, uh, Diego Simeone's side, obviously been kind of finalists in the Champions League and the Europa League um, a ridiculous amount of times in the last kind of eight to ten years. Um, a really kind of hard team to beat. It's probably not the team that I would want to draw out of all of those four teams, to be honest with you. Um I would much prefer Schalke, Roma, or Ajax, but you know, if we if we get athlete, if you're going to win it, if you want to win it, um, if you're going to win the competition, obviously you're going to have to beat um, difficult opposition along the way. So, um, in many respects, why not kind of get it out of the way? Why not you know face them up, face Atleti, um, and and see how you get on? But they've got some they've got some really really good players. Obviously, they've got Griezmann up front. They've got Costa. Um, they got Saul. They got all sorts of um, amazing players in their team. So I know their defense would go down. It, it, yeah, it, like there's not a team that you necessarily kind of want to face. Obviously, I think they're kind of challenging Barca for the league at the moment as well. So they're no mugs, um, and I think a really difficult team to draw against. And unfortunately, that's the team in terms of like percentages. That's the team that we're most likely to to, to play against. The team that we're least likely to play against, suppose, like a kind of twelve percent chance or something ridiculous, um, is Ajax. And I think it's obviously just due to other permutations of other other draws and things, but. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Like I said, I'd quite fancy us um, to get through pretty strongly against Schalke, Roma or Ajax. I think it would be that much more difficult against um, Atleti. But I think if we had players, obviously this is not going to be until February. So hopefully by then, obviously we've got a full, full, uh, fully fit team. That kind of leads me to my next section. I mean, just the amount of injuries that we've got at the moment. I think Pep confirmed that we had like 15, um, 15 uh, professional players or whatever. You know, 15 players. Um, or actually fit um, for the um, for the for the game last night. So yeah, just really um, just just a bit of a kind of a tricky patch. Obviously going into the winter as well. Just the amount of the amount of injuries that um, that we had and it, or that we have at the moment. Obviously, kind of Mendy's on a long term injury. De Bruyne is hopefully coming back in the next couple of weeks from a long-term injury. We've got Fernandinho out. We've got Aguero out. We've got Silva, who's got a muscle injury. We have Bernardo Silva out um, a week or so ago, but now, thankfully, he's back. Um, and it obviously meant that that Pep had to play, um, had to play Foden. And it's, um, yeah, it's kind of been interesting for me. I mean, I think in terms of, you know, I don't want to kind of go into it, to kind of um, go into it too much but like we said we have a little 
Um, have a little feature on this podcast called Focus on Foden, and um, it's it was I was just really pleased to like just really really pleased to see him play yesterday. Get a full ninety minutes under his belt, and pretty much like you'd expect. I think the first half, by all accounts, um, it's probably a reflection of the the fact that City didn't do too well in that first half. It was a kind of it was a fairly even match in that first half. We didn't really kind of control it and. Hoffenheim had some good chances, um, but Foden wasn't really in it. He was kind of had little, um, little moments, but for me in that second half, he kind of showed what he's all about. Um, his, uh, you know, his um, industry, his creativity, his, his, you know, kind of turn on a sixpence. He's just, he is beautiful to watch. He is going to be an absolutely outstanding player. He is an absolute gem. Um, I mean, I so wish that goal would have won, would have went in. Um, can you imagine eighteen? Can you imagine that? That's if you imagine that goal went in. He's you know eighteen. Um, obviously, this is kind of second season in the Champions League now. Believe it or not, it's a bit crazy to say that. Um, but if that goal goes in, I mean, that's kind of like a where did it all start for Foden? You know, there effectively. I mean, his goal against Watford was decent, but obviously on the stage that it would have been you know, the group stage of the Champions League, to kind of hit the volley like so true and so clean like he did. Um, and why did that goalkeeper have to get in the way of the bloody thing? But anyway, um, so yeah, it's... Um, uh, it, I think, obviously, the, the changes or the, the fact that he started the match um, perhaps was, was forced on Pep. But I tend to think, maybe not, but... He did it last season. He played him in the last in the last game of the um, of the Champions League last season. I think there was like less on it, and we'd already won the group by then. Um, so maybe not. If if David Silva would have been fit, he may have played him. But I don't know. Obviously, David Silva played a lot of games this season. Um, but I, d- I don't know. It just I just showed last season. You know, it just showed. Sorry, last uh, the game against Hoffenheim for Foden. Is that yeah? He's obviously not at the level of someone like David Silva. Whatever, that's ridiculous. I mean, I don't think many players in the whole entire history of football are going to be at the level of David Silva. But um, he's he's definitely kind of getting there in terms of being his own man, being his own player, um, having impacts on games. Um, just a few things he did last night were really really positive, um, and are. He was just, for me, a really, really um, impressive performance. Like I said, first half, not so much, but second half, so many good um, good moments from him. Um, his, uh, you know, his touch, and like I said, that volley, and there was, yeah, lots lots of promising things, and obviously Pep had lots of glowing things to say about him um, at the end at the end of the match. So, um, for me, that's, it's nothing but a positive thing. I've got a feeling that, obviously, I don't think he'll play against Everton. He may come on a sub, like he, and play kind of 20, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes like he tends to do. Um, but he will definitely start in the League Cup match um, that that is coming up. So uh, I think he's, uh, for me, he's getting enough match. He's getting enough match match time. Um, I'm not worried at all about um, the, the, the time that he's getting on the pitch. But um, yeah, but he kind of, like I said, he's he's on this journey now. He's signed a new contract. I think he's at City now until like 2024, I think, the contract that he signed in the week. So nothing but um nothing but positive things really to say about um to say about Foden this week. An amazing week for him. Just a, a really solid performance in the Champions League. Um full 90 minutes under his belt, signing the new contract. Um and it just sets him up for kind of like the winter period off. We've got a lot of injuries. So it basically means that he's going to have to call upon him at some point, whether that's a starting berth, 
or whether that's um, coming off the bench um, and having a more kind of impactful, impactful role. But for my many, I think he'll play um, against Leicester um, in the Carabao Cup um, on Tuesday or next Tuesday, and um, uh, and then what, what I guess, and then obviously we'll see from there how much time he gets in in kind of the the Premier League matches coming up. But I think with the matches that that are coming up, I think you know we've they're they're easily winnable games. Like I said, it's um, it's it's against Everton at the Etihad on on Saturday. It's the it's the early kickoff. So we, I'm not a big fan of those early kickoffs, and never kind of feel like the players or um, just historically or just me or just the fans or anyone's up for those sorts of matches. But hopefully, being winter and the fact that it kind of it's it's kind of maybe less early than it would be in the summer, if that makes any sense whatsoever. But um, it. Yeah, hopefully, and I just think with pet teams, we tend to, in terms of mentality, the focus and professionalism of the approach, it tends to be right up there. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the match on on Saturday. Hopefully, we can get that win. We have got a lot of injuries; is a little bit of a concern, um, but at the same time, I've got I've got um, absolute faith in Pep, absolute faith in our squad. It is about the players. I think the players that we've got, or that the the, the the team that we could. Um, put out there um, against Everton. I think we've got enough. I mean, they've got some good players in their team with Charleston, Bernard, Walcott, um, Sigurdsson, etc. Um, but I just feel like we'll have too much for them. But you never know. Um, uh, Silva's got his, you know, his Everton team playing really well at the moment. Um, so it is going to be a fairly tricky one. But hopefully, we can get the win, and then. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but hopefully United can do us a favour against Liverpool. Now, if that's a draw, that's a draw. That's fair enough. That means we go. Um, that means we go top uh, by by a point. I think it would be so. Um, yeah, if it's, if that's a draw, that's a draw. But if it's um, if it's a, if they get the win, um, it may be the only time and first time in my whole life and career that I've ever. T- cheered on a United goal, let alone a, a victory. So this is going to be weird. And I suppose it's just a. a just a good illustration of just how far United have fallen <laughs> over this time. I and mean, there's basically little chance that they're going to um, finish the top four, let alone win the win the league. And for obviously a, a team like United, that should be um, that should be who they are and what they do. And kind of you know to win to to try and be up there, win and challenging in the Premier League. Um, they didn't do it last season, despite finish second. They didn't challenge at all. Let's be honest, they were so far ahead for such a long time. And obviously this season there. Um, they're just so far behind so early on, but it is going to be interesting. Obviously, on Sunday, Mourinho can set his teams up to be really difficult to beat, and tends to be on the right side of these sorts of matches. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, like I said, it's going to be a, it's going to be weird. What what do we want? We obviously don't want Liverpool to win the match, so it basically means that I want United to do one, um, and, you know, to to do well against Liverpool, which is going like maybe the perhaps of the first time in my whole life that I want actually United to to do well. But hey, um, and like we said, after that, um, we've got some really interesting games coming up. Obviously, the Carabao Cup. I'm not kind of too bothered about that. Obviously, let's see how we get on. I think kind of Pep will probably play a weekend team. Like I said, I think he'll get play. Players like Foden um, and may a few a few of the youngsters, perhaps even Brahim and that kind of thing. So um, I'm not too concerned about that. It'd be nice again to get a trophy, but it's just fixture congestion um, unnecessarily. I, mean, I don't like, really like the Carabao Cup. I think England should just follow other 
um, countries and just have one cup. I think like Germany had two cups not so long ago, but they just got rid of one. So um, it's it's unnecessary fixtures for me. I think we should be put all of our all of our eggs into our Premier League and Ch- uh, Champions League basket. Um, uh, but you know, I think he's going to change it around against Leicester coming up next Tuesday, and then three ga- three Premier League games on the on the bounce just before Christmas. We've got Palace um, at the Etihad. Then we go away again. We got the King Power again um, on Boxing Day, and then it's Southampton at St Mary's before New Year, the big one, third of January, um, Thursday night. A weird kind of weird fixture. Thursday night. 8 p.m. kickoff at the Head against Liverpool. So some really, really interesting fixtures coming up. Um, and yeah, we're obviously, like I said, second in, in the Premier League at the moment. One point off of Liverpool, just through to the, the last 16 in the Champions League. Who knows who we're going to draw? I think the draw is on Monday. So like I said, we'll review um, the Everton match on Saturday. We'll review um, who we've drawn. I might do the the the, the podcast after, just after the draw, which will be quite good. Um, and then obviously leading up to the kind of the Carabao Cup and seeing perhaps who might play and maybe, maybe what youngsters might play. I think if you remember last season, I think it was perhaps at the same stage, I believe, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Um, he did t- he did tend to play quite a, quite a young team or definitely players that came off the bench that were really long. Like, I think like Namacha came on um, and there was a few other good young... I mean, I think even Foden was playing at that point. So yeah, Brahim. So... It, for me, I would do that again, but um, up to up to Pep, and we'll see how that goes on. So, I think that's going to be it. That's it for for this episode, episode nine. Like I said, it's all boil, kind of boiling up this winter. Lots of matches, lots of interesting talk points, lots of injuries for City. Um, we're not top anymore, which is absolute bummer. Um, but we'll um, but we'll see. Like I said, Liverpool got United at the um, at, at this weekend. We've got Everton. Um, let's see how we get on. So, yeah, that's the end of the episode. I've been Peter. I've been your host. Um, it's it's the Man City Voice podcast. Um, contact, get in contact or follow us. Um, it's at Man City Voice on Twitter. Um, or my personal one, which is at Soccer PM. Um, so that's it. And I'll see you on the other side. Come on, you blues. <laughs>